So if you have been friends with me on Facebook for very long, you know that I often go through these phases where I get kind of latched onto one reality show or another, and then I move on to another one after a while. But a few years ago, my show of choice was ABC's What Would You Do with John Canonis. Now, it is part investigative reporting, it is part candid camera, and part pop psychology. So, so that's kind of the lay of the land. Actors play out a scenario in public, and a hidden camera ends up recording the actions and the reactions of bystanders or witnesses. Basically, the show explores human behavior. Why do we choose to get involved, or why do we choose not to get involved when someone is being mistreated? If your best friend buys a hideous wedding dress, do you tell her it's hideous, or do you just try to be supportive? If someone gets into the driver's seat of a car and you know that they've been drinking heavily, do you actively try to get them to stop and get out? So the results of, of these different segments are sometimes surprising and often they are a little more than concerning. For example, there's one episode several years back where a Hispanic person, a person of Hispanic ethnicity, walked into a coffee shop and she orders in Spanish, she or he. The shop employee behind the counter responds with this whole kind of tirade of racially prejudiced comments. Things like, if you come to this country, you need to learn this language. Or, we don't serve your type here. Or, you illegals are taking the jobs away from us Americans. Things like that. Of course, both the customer in question and the employee behind the counter are actors. But all the people, the other customers in the restaurant, they don't know that. So what's the result? Well, of the 88 customers who came in and out of the shop throughout the day of taping, 49 of the 88 said absolutely nothing when they witnessed this. Nine actually sided with the employee, and only 30 spoke out against the poor treatment given the Hispanic customer by the employee. Now, some of the responses from those 30 customers who spoke out against the racially prejudiced treatment, they were heartwarming responses, and they ranged from things like confronting the employee for assuming that the person was um, undocumented, to customers ordering food and drink for the other customer. Some customers gave their order to the person some refused to ever come back into the shop again. And some actually voiced that they too had people in their families who either did not speak English well or who were immigrants as well. It was touching to see how people advocated for another human being who was being, as they perceived, mistreated. But that's only one-third of the witnesses that stood up. Remember, 49 people did absolutely nothing. They kept their heads down, they shifted uncomfortably, and they got out as fast as they could. So what about them? Well, when questioned, some people feel, quote, it's just none of my business, or they don't want to get involved. Some fear conflict. 
They want to keep the peace. What we see is that it's easy for the absence of conflict to become more important than the presence of good or the presence of justice or the presence of generosity. But today's gospel reading doesn't let us slip into that kind of complacency. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth, asked Jesus. No, I tell you, but rather division. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is even more direct. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, Jesus was living during the time in the Roman Empire that we've come to call the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace. And it was a time when the borders of the Roman Empire were relatively stable, where trade and travel were possible generally, where even some of the provinces could govern by their own laws if they would just pay taxes and if they would submit to military control by the Romans. Now, don't get me wrong. There was violence every single day going on during this time. But relatively to someone from the outside, this might look like a time of stability or a time time of peace, kind of. But here's the thing. The peace of the Roman Empire was a false peace. It was a peace built on oppression, intimidation, and on violence. So this is the context into which Jesus speaks these words. And I confess that still, it's hard for me to imagine these words coming out of Jesus' mouth. Over and over again, we hear in the Gospels, Jesus say things like, Peace be with you. Our peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. So today's words from Jesus seem out of character. I would rather bask in Jesus' comforting words. I would rather think about all the healing that Jesus did. I would rather think about all the times that he fed the multitudes. I would rather think that there is little cost to following Jesus. But here Jesus sets us straight. The kingdom of God isn't a false peace that we can find in withdrawing from the problems of the world. The peace of Christ doesn't come from a peaceful coexistence with the injustices in the world. Instead, the peace of God is this radical, all-consuming peace that compels us to turn and to take a good and long look at all the brokenness around us. The coming of God's kingdom doesn't let us step over the homeless person in the street or to think that what we buy in the store is somehow disconnected from our religious views, or to think that health care is purely an economic issue. The peace of God is inseparable from the love and justice of God. In other words, we don't get to experience peace at the expense of a group of our brothers or sisters. If the world were perfect, if it were already the way that God intends for it to be, then the presence of Jesus and the presence of the kingdom of heaven would just be perfect harmony. There would be no conflict or division or swords or fire. But we live in an imperfect world. And so the kingdom of heaven is sometimes met with opposition. Anyone who's ever tried to live faithfully and intentionally knows when we live faithfully, we are sometimes as likely to bring division and conflict as we are to bring peace. If we stand up and notice the world in which we live, if we look carefully, if we read the times, as Jesus tells us, 
if we know where to stand and understand what it is that's broken, then we are going to see some places that might could actually use a little conflict here and there. The point of living a life shaped by the life of Christ is not to avoid strife and conflict entirely. If we think that, then we need to go back and look at the gospel story in its entirety. Instead, the Christian life leads us to participate in the sometimes painful transformation of the world, a transformation that ultimately, we hope, leads to justice and love and a peace unlike anything the world has to offer. So, these words from Jesus that we read today are not the words that we sometimes want to hear from Jesus' mouth, um, but they are still the gospel. And I know that I've shared with you before a beautiful hymn that was written by William Alexander Percy about the complex nature of God's peace and about the cost of discipleship. But it's been a few years since I've read it, and it is one of my favorites, and it goes with the gospel, so I'm going to read it again. They cast their nets in Galilee just off the hills of brown, such happy, simple fisher folk before the Lord came down. Contented, peaceful fishermen before they ever knew the peace of God that filled their hearts brimful and broke them too. Young John who trimmed the flapping sail, homeless in Patmos died. Peter who hauled the teeming net, head down was crucified. The peace of God, it is no peace but strife closed in the sod. Yet let us pray for but one thing, the marvelous peace of God. Amen.